श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए गौर भक्तवृंद की जाए गौर प्रेम आनंद मॉर्निंग स्टिल नो मडंगा हां ओके सो वी विल कंटिन्यू आवर डिस्कशन um as i mentioned last night we're going to discuss from the brahma vimohan leela and we had uh, some introductory talk about about that with regard to the nature of leela and brahma's bewilderment so we'll continue on today with the first verse of the 11th chapter of the 10th canto where the brahma vimohan leela begins and this is the uh, the story of the the slaying of agasura kwachit banashaya manodat prajat pratasamuthaya payasya vatsapan prabhodhayan shringaravena charuna pinirgato vatsa purahsaro hari sugriv goswami is speaking hmm. and he says kwachit banashaya manodat prajat so one day krishna hari here the name hari is used to refer to krishna this is sometimes thought to be the favorite name of krishna in the braj leela hari uh, means he who takes away or steals and the invocation is there in the braj leela that krishna is the one who has stolen away everyone's heart hmm. so it's from that actually idea this idea that the hari is a favorite name of of krishna in the in the, the brajalila that that krishna nam as we know it in the nam dharma of chaitanya mahaprabhu is more readily more often referred to as harinam Hmm. So Harinam means the name of Krishna in the Brajalila and as Krishna has the capacity to steal away the heart so of course that his name being none different from him you probably know the famous story of the Sri Ramachandra used to like to cite of the the um the uh, the story of two two policemen two policemen discussing and one said to the other that uh, it is a uh, great problem for us that our god these are hindus is a thief because krishna of course in his youth and 
uh, was known for stealing butter and so on and so forth and um, being rather mis- mischievous and whatnot, misbehaved and uh, criminal. <laughs> so, understandably, it was would have made things difficult uh, for the uh, law enforcement <clears throat> the very ideal of the people, the godhead of the people was thief. But the other p- policeman replied that, no, it's a good thing, actually, that he's a thief. And why, he said, because a thief does not care for high walls and locked doors, and this is what we've erected around our heart, high walls, and we've locked the door, and we're guarding it, and not about to let just anyone in, or any idea in. Hmm? But in the form of his name, Krishna Hari, hmm, he doesn't care for the locked door or the high walls, and he goes in anyway, hmm, into our heart, and that's our good uh, fortune. So he's a little bit uh, aggressive. Hmm? Prabhupada once said, uh, as I've cited on other occasions, that uh, I came to your country as an aggressor. And I said, uh, he said that to me, I said, thank you for that. Where would we be without such such uh, aggressive uh, love? Hmm? So, so here the name Hari is used uh, in reference to Krishna, and it's um, noteworthy in another sense, and that is that he, this is a description of Krishna entering into the forest, and with his friends and uh, calves. This is the end of his Kumar Lila, Sesh Kumar. Hmm? We'll have to discuss that as we continue, but relative to the name Hari mentioned here, it's it's uh, to be noted that um, ordinarily such a description would include the presence of Ram, Balaram. These two really are inseparable in this uh, cowherding leelas of Sakyarasa that uh, that the uh, these chapters are centered on. Hmm? Yeah, Balaram is the best friend of Krishna. So there are many descriptions of them entering the forest together and so on and so forth. And here, Ram is not mentioned. Later on, in the next chapter, in the 13th chapter, towards the end, as this Leela starts to come to a close, the fact that... Um, Balaram is not mentioned here, also becomes um, more clear in that he was not present 
during the killing of Agasur and the stealing of the calves and the cowherds on the part of Brahma. And um, his both his absence from the Leela and the way in which he responds to it in the end, his absence and his realization of what must have taken place when he saw, for example, the, uh, as we mentioned yesterday, the attachment that the parents had to their children, that the cows had to their calves, for their calves, which was extraordinary. <clears throat> and he realized that Krishna had become the cowherds and Krishna had become the calves and so forth. So he responded there in a particular way and his response is uh, indicative of the fact in that instance that along with his friendship for Krishna, which is his primary uh, sentiment, there is also the accompaniment of of, uh, servitude, dasirasa, along with his sakya. His sakya is augmented by or is mixed with um, dasya. And here, in the beginning, also because of his absence, it is, if we play out the, the significance of the text and so forth, as we will, to some extent, we'll see that it is also indicative uh, of his Batsalya. So his Sakirasa is mixed with Batsalya and Dasirasa. With Dasirasa, he was amazed to see the power, the potency of Krishna having manifested as, as all the cowherd boys and calves. And he could understand that the type of display of mysticism that was manifest uh, was, uh, as I say, something done by Krishna himself, an exhibition of his power alone. And he expresses some regard for that and some uh, feelings of um, subordination, if you will, to that. Um, uh, addressing him uh, like like a teacher, hmm? so servitude, and his absence here in the first uh, verse is uh, also indicative of his vatsalya. In that, uh, this is a special day. Hmm? It is said here, "Kvachid vanashaya manodadat prajat prata samutaya." Vayasya Vatsapan. So in the in this um, Leela of Krishna, as you know, there are the meditators of on on the Leela. This meditation is very central to Raghunuga Bhakti. And those who have sought to um, give us some guidance in that regard have divided the Leela into different times. Hmm? Eightfold, Astakal, eight different times of the day. 
So here is a reference to the second of those two portions of the day, the second time of the day, if you will, that Krishna arises. He awakens early in the morning, hmm? of course, outside of his house, um, realizing that he just spent the better part of the night in the forest and he'd better get home hmm? before he's found out for having been uh, out all night and rendezvousing with the um, with the gopis. This is our um, leela that we remember at the time of rising ourselves for the Mongola Aratik. Hmm? At this time, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu arises and he's hmm, absorbed in thinking about Radha Krishna Leela. Hmm. Uh, sitting on his bed, he, he rather he lies in his bed, just like when you're asleep in the morning and it's time to get up, but you lie there anyway, and then you're thinking about so many things and avoiding getting up until you actually have to. Uh, so he's like that also, but he's but his mind is thinking about Radha Krishna's Leela. Hmm? No wonder he doesn't want to get up. Hmm? <laughs> of course, he gets up, and that is wonderful as well. Hmm? And and this is the uh, first, as I say, waking of Krishna in the morning, waking of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. To this, um, uh, thoughts of this kind of leela. Later on, Krishna is again waking up, and this time of the day, prata, hmm, samutaya, vayasivatsapan, is... Uh, mentioned here, that um, normally that second awakening of Krishna will be, of course, in a house of, of, of Nanda Maharaj and at the sound of Balaram's horn, his, his bugle. Krishna is most known for playing the flute and Balaram is most known for playing uh, his uh, buffalo horn. They have opposite uh, effects, in a, in a sense, that Krishna's flute tends to put the devotees into a, a, a trance, into a into a swoon, and to to pass out, so to speak, in 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 love of him. And Balaram's horn is calls them all for service. Hmm? It is a call for service. He is, of course, in Prabhupada's language. The personality of Godhead servitor is a very peculiar um, position. Krishna, in the form of his best um, servitor, best friend, best servitor, he presides, Balaram, over this Samandanuga, Samandarupa Bhakti, that these chapters of Brahmani Mohan Leela are about. I mentioned this last night that we had completed our discussion on Raghunuga Bhakti recently from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and that section ends with a discussion of Sambandhanuga Bhakti, a division of Raghunuga Bhakti. There's Kamanuga and Sambandhanuga. Kamanuga means the love of the gopis and Sambandhanuga is Sambandha means relationship. So it is the concerns or uh, describes the love 
for Krishna that has a basis in some type of relationship. Just like, for example, you may have a relationship with someone as a friend. You may have a relationship with someone as a parent uh, to the son or daughter, um, master and servant. And, and on the, because of the relationship, there's a cause or reason for loving. So Sambandhanuga is, is like this. Vatsalya, Sakya, Dasirasa in the Brajalila. This is uh, Sambandharupa Bhakti, and to follow that is Sambandhanuga. It's a division of Raganuga Bhakti. The other division is Kamanuga. That is the love of the gopis, as they say, and that is not based on any relationship in as much as the relationship between Krishna and the gopis is not acknowledged, it's not acceptable, it's not swakya. Swakya means it's wedded, it's lawful, so there's a, there's a reason for loving. So this is ahaituki to the bhakti, to the extreme, this idea. And it is the specialty, of course, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give rag bhakti, to give the four uh, bhavas of, of braj. And he himself, in doing that, personally tasted this kamanuga bhakti, Hmm. Nityananda Prabhu, his other self, is presiding over this Samandhanuga. Hmm. So we find uh, both of these things in Chaitanya Sampradaya and in the context of the Samandhanuga Bhakti, we find primarily the Sakyarasa, some Dasyarasa, some Vatsalyarasa. Hmm. And as I say, Balaram is presiding over all uh, three of these. Hmm. So, here we find that Krishna is rising in the morning and early in the morning, hmm, a little earlier, the implication is, than he would usually. And rather than to the sound of Balaram's bugle, hmm, he himself has come into the courtyard and blown his buffalo horn and and millions and trillions of cowherds are coming to the to the courtyard, uh, and as they would normally, but with a, sp- a special kind of um, excitement on this day. Here it said, "Prabodayan chingaravena charana." Prabodayan means that, in one sense, that he um, he woke them up. Prabodha means also enlightened. <laughs> so he enlightened their, their, their minds and he very much uh, perked their, their curiosity. This was, this was a, 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 a nuance in the day. As I said, the great, uh, our great teachers have divided this day of Krishna into eight parts and, and spoken about, uh, given kind of graphic, I want to say graphic descriptions of the Leela as a, as a, as a kind of a, um, an aid to visualization of this Leela for devotees as they become more 
um, advanced and absorbed in in um, in their spiritual practice. But um, that's like an outline, and so in our own day, similarly, we have a basic schedule if we're organized as we should be and regulated. We rise at a certain time, we take breakfast at a certain time, we go to work at a certain time, and so on and so forth. Still, there's room for departures from the schedule. This is the basic outline, and from there, uh, every day is different. So, uh, the case is the same with regard to Krishna, and much more so. Every day is different. Um, every moment is different. Every um, from from moment to moment, exciting. This is an exciting moment within an exciting moments. <laughs> a special, uh, a, spe- a special morning that uh, Krishna is arisen early. Balaram is not making the call. He's at home. Why is he at home? Of course, he's at home. Um, our um, uh, our charges have mentioned because the the day of his birth that um, the auspicious constellation on the day of his birth, day of his birth, which shows completely in a particular uh, month in each year, has a partial representation um, in the in 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 the sky each month. And so there's a mini birthday, so to speak, every month for uh, uh, for for Krishna and 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 Balaram. And this was one of those types of birthdays. So his house um, was burdened from his perspective, childhood perspective, was burdened with elders and um, formalities. Um, that he was burdened by and thus had to stay home to uh, observe rather than uh, join in the uh, herding lifestyle and sportive activity of um, Krishna and his friends, which which was his, 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 would be normal for him on a day like this. So he send a message to Krishna, hearing the horn of Krishna and realizing, oh, it, uh, I'm burdened here, I have to stay home, bored by the presence of relatives and the obligations that come with their presence, them having come from a distance, and so on and so forth. Uh, and Krishna has something very special in his mind today. Hmm? So, uh, because he's the elder... And his friendly love, as I say, is augmented, mixed with Vatsalya rasa. Krishna was still not prepared to go hmm, without the permission of Balaram. So Balaram could understand this, and he sent a message. I understand from the sound of your bugle that you have something very special in mind today. I'm burdened here, as you know, because of such and such uh, relatives coming from afar and so forth. But go for it, he said. With my permission and blessing, you should do what you're going to do. This is the 
uh, as I've said at other times, uh, Balaram is the Mariada Purusha in Krishna's life. He's the person who looks to see, and this very much at the behest of Mother Yasoda as well, hmm, out for the uh, well-being of Krishna and the good behavior of Krishna. Hmm, to protect him as, a, as an older brother, hmm, to uh, set an example for him, to report him, <laughs> it may even be at times, for his uh, uh, misbehavior. Uh, not that Balaram himself is not somewhat mischievous and also participating in all of the affairs of Krishna, but uh, but the, and course, then the, the fact that he's the Mariata Purusha in Krishna's life comes out more as the Leela moves towards Mathura and Dwaraka. There it becomes more apparent. Hmm? Uh, in youth, it's harder to sort, uh, sort that out, and Krishna's um, crooked and playful to the extent that he is Balaram's implicated in that to some extent, but nonetheless, he is the Mariata Purusha in his life, and he gave permission. So, the fact that his the uh, that 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 Rasa and Dasiras, as I mentioned, are components of his Sakiras, makes it clear to us that, and this comes out in this Brahma Mimohan Leela, that he is the presiding deity over Sambandhanuga Bhakti. Rupa Goswami ended, as I mentioned, his discussion of Raghunuga Bhakti with the dis- discussion of Samandhanuga. Hmm? And there in the commentator, Shijiva Goswami, Vishwanath Chakrabhik Thakur, gave reference to this Brahmavi Mohan Leela. That's how we got here. Hmm? I'm just following the course of our discussions in our previous, um, in my previous um, location at Madhavan with the devotees. Um, from there, we were taken to this Leela, so here we are uh, discussing it. And Leela, as I say, that, that exemplifies, that, that uh, portrays hmm, this um, Samandarupa Bhakti, which is the ideal for the Samandanuga Bhaktas. Anuga means to follow, hmm, ideal for them to follow. And uh, so three three rasas. Um, Dasi rasa, to some extent, is there, of course. Vatsali rasa is prominent, and more prominent still in these discussions, and these descriptions, is Sakya rasa. The, the prominence of Vatsali rasa with regard to Balaram's um, Vatsalya and his being the Mariata Purusha and so forth is obvious. We mentioned it to some extent uh, yesterday evening, in that, um, and, and this is actually the way in which it's mentioned by the acharyas in their discussion of of Samandhanuga Bhakti. There, the example is given of someone in 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 one of the Puranas who wanted to have Krishna as a son, got a deity of Krishna, established the deity, and worshipped the deity as a son, and so forth. And this is an uh, example that's been cited by the acharyas of someone attaining this Sambandhanuga, uh, pursuing this Sambandhanuga bhakti and attaining that. And 
and and it is said, and he entered into the Brahmavimohan Leela. Hmm? So it's uh, with regard to the Vatsalya, of course, and as I say, I mentioned it last night, Krishna steals the calves, and or excuse me, Brahma steals the calves and the cowherd boys, and Krishna becomes the calves and the cowherd boys for one year. And for one year, all of those who are in Vatsalya Rasa, the cows of Krishna, the um, elderly uh, gopas and gopis, although they have their own families, their own children and so forth, they have um, this parental love for Krishna as well. Uh, the the the, the uh, and they um, Nanda Yashoda they are the king and the queen of the cowherds, and so they all of the elders are somewhat uh, subordinate to them in their vatsalya. Hmm? These are the ideal and paradigmatic figures: Rohini, Nanda Maharaj, Yashoda Mai of vatsalya rasa, and they have hundreds and millions and unlimited numbers of, of, of those who are following in the wake of that, those feelings hmm? uh, for Krishna. And during this one year that the Brahma Vimohan Leela takes place, uh, when the cows, when the calves and the, and the cowherds are, are hidden and Krishna becomes the calves and the cowherds, then all of them get to have Krishna directly as their son as their calf. Hmm? This is a very um, interesting idea, of course. Uh, one Acharya um, mentioned that once that his ideal was to enter into a particular part of Krishna Leela and remain there in that particular time. Hmm? Like um, in, in Gopi Bhav during the, the, the Nishanta Leela. Hmm? I found that to be curious because generally the, the Leela flows and, and the devotees go with the flow throughout the whole of the day and so forth. But he had an idea like this, to stay in one part of the Leela forever. Hmm? So it was very interesting to hear that and that it, it, it helped to kind of um, give some idea of the non-linear nature of the Leela. This is one another idea. One year, for one year, they got to have Krishna as their son directly. I mean, <laughs> what is that one year in, in, in the Leela? So they entered there at that time. Hmm? They got entrance uh, and tasted and the full measure of, of Vatsalya. They got Krishna as their son. Of course, Bhakti is also, Vaishnavism, this brain bhakti is indirect and the direct experience is in the indirect in Vaishnav Das, Anudas, and so forth <clears throat> to uh, 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 be an assistant of Mother Yashoda is to, is to taste uh, uh, what she tastes. This is what rag bhakti is about. It's Anuga, it's following. Hmm? Following those who are ragatmikas results in becoming a ragatmika oneself. Mm-hmm. So, 
At any rate, with regard to the Vatsalya, the Acharyas have mentioned, they entered the Brahma Vimohan Lila. That's how we, as I say, we got here to this discussion. It's a prominent part of the Lila. Brahma does um, offer his deepest respects to that Vatsalya Rasa and to that Dasya Rasa in his prayers in the 14th chapter, which is the concluding chapter, two chapters of the narrative, and then Brahma. And there are reflections on the narrative by Sugadev here and there. We're in the first verse, and there will be, hmm, what, uh, nine more verses following this introductory verse that are descriptive, very descriptive of the, of the Sakyarasa, and then two verses in which Sugadev reflects on that description that he himself has given of Sakyarasa in his own amazement. Hmm? And then, of course, the, the, the next section of the chapter begins with the introduction of Agasura. Hmm? And, um, and so there, are, there is a narrative and then there are reflections on the implications of the narrative on the part of the narrator, Sukadev. And in the end, there's a reflection on the entirety of the Leela on the part of Brahma in his prayers. And there, this is one of the things he does, of course, is he reflects on the Vatsalya Rasa and how extraordinary that is, pays his respects to that and so forth. It is in that context of that Vatsalya Rasa that we, we find that, that I mentioned last night, that uh, important Upanishadic argument uh, or point as to what is important what is uh, lovable, what is central to our life that somehow is, is, is not well understood by ourselves. And it's us. <laughs> We're not, as I mentioned, I is the most popular word in the English language and probably in the Polish language as well, the most used. I went here, I did this, I did that. Um, so I is um, something we can never get away from. There's nowhere we can go and that I will not be there. Hmm? There's nowhere I can go and that I will not be there. I can get away from everything, but I cannot get away from myself, from I. Hmm? It's following me everywhere. I'm following it everywhere. It's the object of my love. Hmm? Uh, uh, Jiva Goswami cites this Brahmavi Mohan Lila in his Bhakti Sandarbha in the Paramatma Sandarbha, excuse me, when he's describing the nature of the jiva. And he says that the jiva is an object of love. The example, of course, is Sugadev. He's described swasukham. Sukha means parrot. Sukha means happiness, joy. Swasukham. He was absorbed, the Bhagavatam says, swasukham, in his own bliss, in the joy of the atma, Atmaram, the joy of the self. Hmm. Uh, this is a this is a a um, uh, was his preoccupation, hmm. and of course, then he heard Krishna Lila. He got in touch with the wave of Krishna Lila, uh, Krishna Bhakti, and then suddenly he had before him an object a worthy object to repose his love in. 
and he had opportunity for Bhakti Ananda. Hmm? Atmananda is one thing. Bhakti Ananda, that's another thing. You can love yourself, and we do. <laughs> but if we have another to express our, our, our uh, share our love in, 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 in reciprocal dealings, then the capacity for loving is enhanced that much more. So, yes, there is ananda in the self, hmm? but it is not like bhakti ananda. Hmm? It's object. Well, it's 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 how you want to say um, it's um, it has no object to repose itself in other than itself. Hmm? It's a good thing, but uh, this kind of self-love. That's worth discussing also because uh, in modern popular psychology, of course, it's advocated that you should love yourself. And sometimes we encounter this in, in modern industrial society and so forth, um, the need to emphasize that we should love ourselves because we are full of self, well, some of us, self-loathing and, uh, and a sense of... Um, lack of, of worth and, and so forth, a psychological kind of depravity and, uh, and neurosis that's quite a widespread. And when we hear these ideas from popular psychology about loving the self, they seem to run contrary to the teachings of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, which talks about selflessness and, uh, and, um, and deconstructing the, the, the ego and and so on and so forth. So we uh, we sometimes tend to get um, confused. We even hear some people think that psychology is maya. That should be avoided at all costs. Uh, <laughs> and so on. But this is not a proper understanding. The fact of the matter is it's a little complicated, but um, we have several egos, you could say. We could have two metaphysical egos and um, or three three metaphysical egos and one psychological ego we could use a few different terms that would be very helpful we have a metaphysical ego or identity in potential hmm, as aham gopi aham gopa I am a gopi I am a gopa by the influence of bhakti through our guru parampara, we have that identity, as much as ego means identity, in potential. We have that in potential because we are tata, tatasta. Tatasta means that we have such potential to be on one side or the other. And on one side is the opportunity for a meaningful identity in the context of a relationship hmm, with Krishna that is enduring. Hmm, and on the other side, a relationship as a result of the influence of the material nature that's not enduring. We call it the ahankar, false ego. In between those two, I am Polish and I am a gopa. Hmm, we have I am. Hmm. That's big too. 
That's compared to I am Polish, I am is much bigger. Because hmm? um, I may be Polish today, I may be American tomorrow. <laughs> uh, that is uh, changing here today and, and gone tomorrow and so forth. Hmm. But these are three then, an ego of spiritual potential, an ego of that I exist, I'm a unit of enduring existence, a unit of satchit ananda. And then in the confused ego, of identifying with matter that I'm, I'm Polish or I'm American or, or Finnish, as may be the case, man or woman and so forth. And then inside of that metaphysical ego, hunkar, is a psychological ego, as maybe Freud used the term, or I don't know if he was the first. Uh, uh, but anyway, a psychological ego. This is different than the metaphysical ego of a hunkar, hmm? to some extent. And interestingly enough, of course, in order, in order to dissect or dismantle, um, disassemble the metaphysical false ego, what is our approach to that? We will disassemble our metaphysical false ego in bhakti in the context of pursuing a loving relationship with Krishna and establishing a metaphysical ego of I am a gopa or I am a gopi. Hmm? So, in other words, this, this metaphysical false ego is kind of a mean person, a taker. Hmm? Hmm? We've identified with matter and we feel we have needs and so we're taking and exploiting the, the natural environment and, and rather than being givers, we're, we're, we're placed into a situation of feeling needy and so we're on the take and so forth. Hmm? We're hunting and we're being hunted also. So this is rather a mean uh, kind of a struggle for existence we're involved in. And loving, of course, is very different. Loving is, is, is giving, and it's a very kind and gentle existence and so forth. So our way out of the struggle for existence is to begin to, to love and to love wisely, but, um, and, and, and that means to love Krishna. But as we know, if we know a little bit about psychology and relationships and so forth, that uh, in order to enter into a relationship, then you have to be psychologically healthy, or it's, it's a recipe for a real problem. <laughs> if you feel too much needy, then you, you probably need to see a psychologist <laughs> rather than to find someone to fill your needs um, for, for the moment. Hmm? Uh, because relationships, of course, materially speaking, are very much about the need to, to give to the other. We soon find out. Um, so, my point here is that that a healthy psychological ego is almost really required hmm, for to be fully equipped hmm, to engage in dismantling, disassembling the metaphysical uh, false ego inasmuch as loving requires really in a relationship that we have a, uh, something to give. Hmm? We have, we are, we're somewhat full 
In other words, uh, what I'm saying here is that it's sattvic. Hmm? This is the, if you look at the Varnashram, for example, which many devotees have some interest in, um, the essence of this Varnashram idea is that one comes into material balance. Hmm? That one has, as I've often said, both feet on the ground before trying to jump up and, and touch the stars. Um, rather than standing on one foot and trying to jump and you may fall and, and so forth. So some type of horizontal development and material balance hmm, is is advocated in the sacred text as the as the beginning points of our pursuit of the highest ideal. Therefore, atato dharma dignasu, the sutras begin uh, the, the karma mimamsa like this. Now is the time, human life, to require inquire about religion. Hmm? And the idea of religion there is one in which persons understand their psychology and and engage in activities that correspond with it. This is just a basic idea. And therefore, they feel happy about themselves. They feel good about themselves. They feel that they have meaning and purpose to contribute to the society and so forth. They're an essential part. The example has been given in the Varnashram of the, of the head, the Brahmins, the arms, the Chatriyas, the, the, the stomach, the, the, the Vaishas, the legs, the Sudras. And so it's obvious that you need all, all four of those parts to have a healthy body. So the legs feel important. The head feels important, feels self-worth and value, materially speaking. This is at the heart of the whole Varnashram idea. And the whole ascent from ignorance to, to, to knowledge, from, from ritjam to amritam, from death to deathlessness, uh, and, um, uh, and so forth. That is, tamasi ma jyotigama. This, this advocacy, it's very um, high, ideal. And it's talked about very comprehensively in the sacred texts in, 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 by way of, in the beginning, addressing this kind of psychological uh, necessity to feel whole and, uh, and like I say, to have um, self-worth and, and, and be in material balance and so on and so forth. And in our society, of course, this isn't, uh, we, there's, a, there's a lot of, um, um, well, there are many reasons for it, but um, as I think in the, uh, that uh, problems have always been there, but the industrial society isn't isn't always helping um, um, to um, bring about psychological uh, balance and so forth. So we find a lot of devotees in a kind of a quandary about this, and they and and they are difficult for them to go forward in some ways in their spiritual practice because they have unhealthy uh, psychological ego. They should be encouraged. First of all, we've got how many? Four egos now. <laughs> it's problematic. And sometimes we're taught that we're not the body. Hmm? Right? But, but I'm teaching 
that you are the body hmm? <laughs> and, and that you have three bodies. So it's very confusing. It's, it's not that you're not one body, but you are three bodies. <laughs> so that means what? That, that, that we have a guru-given body. This is called sadhaka deha. When we, we get initiation, Mahaprabhu said, when uh, Diksha Kali, at the time of Diksha, we are given a sadhaka deha, a spiritual, spiritual uh, body. It's a, it's a spiritual body in progress. Hmm? It's a mixture of, of material and spiritual. We are engaged, we have the opportunity with the blessing of the Guru to engage in Krishna Bhakti. There's no Krishna Bhakti without Guru Bhakti. Hmm? This is, of course, an important point. That's why Rupa Goswami, when explaining the angas, the limbs of bhakti, begins, begins Guru Padashraya. Hmm? There's a reason that he starts with that. Hmm? Taking shelter of the Guru, then taking diksha, diksha, serving affectionately, and so on and so forth. Uh, this is the beginning. There's no Krishna Bhakti without Guru Bhakti. Hmm? Guru Bhakti is an anga of Krishna Bhakti. Indeed, we can even make Krishna Bhakti an anga of Guru Bhakti hmm? and reverse that out. Hmm? And it's said to be even more pleasing to Krishna. So there's no, there's no particular place uh, or, or way in which uh, Krishna comes before us more prominently than in the form of Sri Guru. Hmm? So we should pay attention um, pay attention there and and pay attention to what he or she gives us. Hmm? So they've given us mantram hmm? and nam hmm? and certain parameters to to live within and as much as we earnestly pursue that hmm? we will realize what we've been given in, in, the, 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 in what a sadhaka deha is. We're talking about Sambandhanuga Bhakti, in a sense, in, in referring to the chapters here about Sambandhanuga Bhakti, which is a form of Raganuga Bhakti. In Raganuga Bhakti, there, there, there are three bodies. Well, there, there's the sadhaka deha, hmm? and then there's, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, two siddharupas, one for the Brajalila and one for Gorlila. So we are three bodies, and <laughs> but we have to, to become acquainted with the other two. Hmm? First, we must become acquainted with the fact that we have a sadhaka deha. This is what it means. These neck deeds mean I have a sadhaka deha. I, I have a belong somewhere. Prabhupada used to refer to the kuntimal as as dog tags. It's a military term. Hmm? That they, you know, the military they have this identification number and so forth and name and and then you so uh, so that you can sort them out when you know there might not be nothing left in, in wartime <laughs> at least they got this metal tag and you know well who it was um, so so uh, so it is with the the, the, the Conti Mala it's said to be very Tulsi Mala very powerful somebody once told me that it, it will protect you from radiation. 
the case of a nuclear war. I don't, I don't know if that's one of Tulsi's qualities <laughs> mentioned in the sacred text, but she's very powerful. There's, there's no doubt about that because she's very dear to Krishna. And if we wear, <laughs> whoops, and if we, and if we wear, if we wear the Kunti Mala like, like, uh, like as we should, which we're given one of the ornaments that we're, of our Sadaka Deha, it's not lipstick and gold and earrings and so, but those aren't given an initiation. And that's not a bad thing for ladies to wear. And men wear the earrings too these days. But uh, but this is the real ornament hmm? and tilak. Hmm? These things, at, or these are all bhavanukul. Um, hmm? They're favorable for for rag bhakti. Hmm? Um, it's something. It has power. They have power. Hmm? There's just like this power in a uniform. Hmm? That's where you see the man in the uniform. Then you, you know you relate to him in a certain way if he's wearing his uniform. Um, so when they put the uniform on, then they feel some empowerment. I, I'm now representing this office, and uh, and they get some strength from that. So these things are meant to give us strength. Uh, the, the attire, of course, we we live a, a in. A, we're not living in India, and everybody's not wearing uh, uh, saris and dhotis and so on. So you can't like go to work like that with this tilak. But you can always wear the kanti mala, and people will ask, "What's that?" and, and so forth. Then you have opportunity to speak about it and remember what you're about, and and so on and so forth. So um, it has power, great power. Hmm? And Vishnu tilak has great power identifying different parts of the body with the names of Vishnu and the, and the qualities of, his, of those different names that are represented um, therein and so forth. Um, uh, uh, so this is all part of the, of the sadhaka deha. And of course, it's a mind too. Hmm? It's it both the physical, we're describing, and then there's a psychic dimension of that. And the extent to which the senses and the mind are engaged in Krishna's service, and so forth, is the extent to which it becomes spiritualized. And the extent to which the sadhaka deha is actually taken advantage of, hmm, which has been given to us by our guru, if we understand, only to that extent will will it be possible for us to experience the other two bodies, the siddharupas, which are part of the, the meditative practice of Raghunuga Bhakti. In other words, people want, devotees want a Siddhadeha. If I say, now let us talk about Siddhadeha, then you know, so many, I've had the experience, people, they get close, oh, we're not going to talk about Siddhadehas. Now, maybe I'll get one or something, or, <laughs> and so forth. Uh, they, 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 their ears perk up, they become interested. Everybody wants a Siddhadeha, a spiritual form to participate in Krishna Leela. But, we're not so interested in the sadhaka deha that's been given to us. <laughs> and we're thinking, I'm not the body. Hmm? It has some use, but not too much use. Better to think, I have a sadhaka deha. I am a sadhaka deha. That would be much more powerful hmm? of a meditation than I'm not this body. Hmm? And in the context of that, I shall take care of it very nicely, both physically and the psychic dimension as well. So I'll find a place 
for bringing my psychology into good state of health without developing a neurosis of thinking I'm not doing bhakti and I'm doing something I'm loving myself and this is a, a problem loving yourself that is quite a, a quite a, a Vedantic idea hmm? the self is lovable hmm? as I said the other night from Upanishad it's not the wife that the man loves but himself it's not the children that the mother loves but herself it's not the house that the family loves, but themselves. What is that talking about? Of course, like as I said, this comes out, we discussed it yesterday to some extent, in the Brahma Vimohan Leela, when the parents and the cows are so attached to the children and the calves, and Balaram takes notice of it and thinks, what's going on here? And he realizes Krishna has become the cow, calves, and Krishna has become the cowherd boys, and they're in Vatsalya Rasa, the cows and the parents are loving Krishna. Hmm? And the implication is what? That the self is the object of love, and it's lovable because it's part and parcel of Krishna. Therefore, Krishna is the most lovable. In other words, when we make the argument that, that the self is the object of love, the metaphysical uh, you know, self, the I am, hmm? Uh, this is the source of happiness. This is this is the, this is the joy. This is what we move for. Hmm? We project ourselves into other things, into other people, in the context of relationships, and therefore those things and those people have meaning to us because it's my house. Hmm? Then it's meaningful because I'm in it. I'm attached to it by extending myself through those simple two letters of my. It's become mine, and I'm there. Hmm? So I've talked about this before. This, this self-love has a basis in, in Vedanta. It's like the ground of the Vedanta. What am I, the I that we can't get away from, that we actually are pursuing, that we know nothing about? We pursue the I looking somewhere else, not understanding its capacity to extend itself into things, so to speak, we identify with the things that are animated by a self and become enamored by them, at, and, and then we try to objectify ourself. That's impossible. You cannot objectify the subjective. So we are very confused um, uh, in our orientation, and we addressed this, this material orientation, we, uh, we addressed this yesterday to some extent, uh, and the beginning of the end of that confusion, in one sense, is to turn inward, turn towards the eye, and e- explore what what it means to be a unit of experiential reality. Hmm? It's so much more meaningful than, than to think of ourselves as an, a unit of experienced reality, hmm? matter. Hmm? It's it's like the difference between night. And, and day, the difference between on and off. Uh, so, and then from there, hmm, the argument, of course, is, is developed from love of the self. Why the self lovable? Because the self is part and parcel of Krishna. How lovable is Krishna? If you can catch the drift, it is a very, very extraordinary. This should keep you up at night. Hmm? I mean, really, honestly, I. If you pay attention, a, 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 a insightful lecture about the difference 
from a Vedantic point of view, between yourself as a unit of consciousness and matter should electrify you. It should electrify you. Think, I, I, to, I want that to, to experience that. What, what, am, what am I? I am so imp- significant hmm? in comparison to, to my identification with matter and how, uh, how insignificant of an identity that ar- ar- arises from that. It's so uh, exciting. Hmm? <laughs> then, then from there, Krishna consciousness, then what, what, what can you do? <laughs> uh, it's, uh, in other words, self, uh, self-realization from there to God-realization and Krishna-realization. These are very extraordinary um, ideas. How can we uh, possibly give uh, vent to them, speak about them adequately, um, this is what books like the Bhagavatam are, are trying to do. Hmm? They're not old books of some irrelevant, uh, addressing some irrelevant topic, ancient topic from the past uh, that has no, uh, no, is, uh, no, 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 no value in today's society, no meaning. No, it's it's about the most meaningful thing that everyone is preoccupied with. The I that we're preoccupied with, that we love, that we know least of all. Hmm? We, we are preoccupied with ourselves, and we know our, so little of it. Hmm? So there's a Vedantic root and ground, so to speak, of loving the self, and then there's a semblance of that in the psychological sense of the term. Hmm? And loving the self and loving Krishna, the spiritual self, and loving Krishna also involves having a healthy psychology. In other words, to have a healthy psychological ego will, will it better enable us to, to in, engage uh, successfully in disassembling the metaphysical false ego, and this all in the context of bhakti, and establishing ourselves or... or Finding ourselves by grace in 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 the in our potential of spiritual identity in in Krishna Lila. So this is an important point. Hmm? You know, at least I don't know about you, but at least many devotees in America are very troubled by these these types of uh, these these confusing ideas, hmm? and uh, and they they feel unworthy in so many respects, and they carry this into bhakti these feelings about themselves, and then they, they, they feel that they shouldn't participate in bhakti, perhaps they feel so unworthy. Uh, and and uh, um, the problem isn't with bhakti, the problem is with the psychology and a misunderstanding of bhakti, and kind of a textbook understanding or limited understanding. It's very comprehensive. It, it, rasa jignasu, inquiry about rasa, preceded by brahma jignasu, preceded by... Dharma Jignasu. We may proceed with uh, Rasa Jignasu, inquiry into Rasa, by good association. But that good association should teach us to inquire about Rasa in a, in, in a, in a holistic kind of way, such that we're not um, um, out of balance, so to speak. Bhakti Thakur was very keen on emphasizing Adhikar and eligibility, it's a, eligibility, it's a similar point. Hmm? To 
to no one's place, no one's boundaries, no one's limits, and so on and so forth, and then proceed accordingly. This is true beauty. Hmm? Just like we cannot jump into the Siddha Rupa without properly using the Sadaka Rupa, hmm? the Siddha Deya, without using the Sadaka Deya properly and thoroughly, hmm? that will be unbecoming. Hmm? So on another, on a lower level. Hmm? Um, some Self-love, I mean, you don't, you don't, when you see, as a devotee, when you see other devotees who have material desires, for example, you don't get really mad at them. (laughs) You don't hate them. But then you hate yourself, perhaps. Some people, and I feel so unworthy. But you don't, you should treat yourself like you treat others with a little generosity. Something like that. It's a gradual kind of. Uh, um, it's, a, it's a long haul. It's, it's, you, you want to go into Krishna Leela. We can read about it. it. Sounds interesting and be close to us, but very distant. Actually, idea. But, uh, I mean, it's it's close because we have good association, hmm? and we are involved. Uh, my my godbrother used to say, Vishnu John Mars, the distance we've traveled thus far before meeting our guru is far greater than the distance we have to go from this point on. That's a fact. Still, is a very high idea. That's why I wanted to speak about it the way I did uh, last night. Hmm? Even Brahma's bewildered by what is Krishna Leela. It, it turns everything upside down, the whole religious world upside down. Hmm? So, but, but this is our ideal, and we want to go there systematically. It's so important to be in touch with this, to have sadhu sangha and to come in touch with this idea, to somehow to stay connected with that. This is so important. Hmm? Pujapatrita Maharaj, I witnessed on a number of occasions him hearing that disciples of Prabhupada, my god brothers or god sisters, had, had left bhakti. Uh, it, 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 it was very painful for him to think they had come in touch with this in human life. They got a human life. They got sadhu sangha. In a, in a in in a in a satguru, and 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 they're drifting away from that. I mean, he, he he found it on on uh, uh, almost un, unbearable to think about. It would bring great pain to him. Hmm? So this is a very 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 uh, special um, uh, opportunity, and we have to try to. On the standard, and such that we we stay in in the you know, I want to say in the ballpark of it in in in, in the it it's a and it's a long journey. It's very glorious to be part of this in any in any way. Hmm? And of course, I'm not giving you some excuse for us to be lazy and so forth. And we should apply ourselves. We've been given the sadhaka day, as I mentioned. We should we should use it properly. But but there's a learning curve in bhakti. Hmm? There is something called anishta. Bhajana Kriya, Ste- where the stage is, it's, it's not steady. There's ups and downs, something like that. So that's to be expected. Hmm? Guru understands. That's to, that's to be expected. Hmm? So there's uh, some. It's a very generous path. Hmm? Somehow you stay involved. Hmm? Somehow keep keep chanting. Try to get sadhu sangha. This is 
it, 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 there is something going on the unseen by you. Hmm? Now you're making some investment by coming to such gatherings and so forth, and you may get something from it, something intellectual or something, something you might feel good in the, in the, in the, in the group and, and so on and so forth. Um, um, but beyond what you can even see or tangibly experience something valuable, hmm? some sangskar for bhakti, hmm? so important. Hmm? We should hear these discussions, hear these leelas with this kind of thing in mind. So, at any rate, this uh, Brahma Vimohan Leela, Brahma glorifies Vatsali Rasa when he's reflecting back on the narrative in the 14th chapter. He, he, he marvels at that this kind of love. Hmm? And then, of course, he gives a special emphasis following that on what on on Sakirasa. Aho bhagyam, maho bhagyam, nanda gopa brajokasam, yan mitram paramanandam, puna brahma sanatanam. This is his own sentiment. The opportunity for that came to him in, 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 at the dawn of creation, as I mentioned, in the Chattu Shlok, when Krishna is enlightening him. Yeah. Krishna gave him the right to to to, to worship him in, in friendship. So here he's now getting the opportunity to see what that what that is all about. When he's reflecting back on this narrative and he glorifies the Vatsalya Rasa, this is one aspect of Sambandhanuga Bhakti. And Dasyarasa. Then he then he glorifies this uh, Vatsalya Rasa or this, this Sakyarasa. He says, oh, how lucky, how lucky, he repeats himself, are the coward people of Vrindavan. Hmm? They have, Krishna has, has become their friend. Hmm? The Purna Brahma, hmm? um, the Paramananda, hmm? uh, the, it has become their intimate friend. This is very staggering. He, 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 he he speaks about this with great enthusiasm and great hope hmm? when he begins his his prayers of course he just he he, he describes the form of krishna hmm? in sesh kumar at the end of the kumar leela the, the time of calf herding hmm? that this leela is um, describing hmm? very beautifully with a longing, Sanatana Goswami says, with a great longing to attain friendship with Krishna, with that relationship, with that particular form. Hmm? Well, different forms of Krishna in different ages. And uh, you have three ages, Kumar, Pogonda, and Kishore. And then you have divisions within them, beginning, the middle, and the end. Hmm? This is the end here of the, of the Kumar Leela, Sesh Kumar. And his different characteristics are described by Brahma, also by Sukadev. When he reflects in, uh, uh, on this uh, particular appearance of Krishna, um, just at the time of calf herding, now he's just about to turn into the Pogandalila. This is just at the cusp. The fifteenth chapter after the Brahma Mohan Lila will take us through the whole of the Pogandalila 
and into the Kishore Leela of Krishna. Hmm? This is all very relevant for for Sakyarasa in particular. Hmm? Um, Brahma, we talk about it. We can cite the verses that that, 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 that offer for us um, a meditation on Seish Kumar and Paganda Leela that would be appropriate for uh, Sambandhanuga Bhakti. Hmm? But aspiring for that, speaking about that uh, with great enthusiasm, glorifying that ideal, as Brahma does, then in his prayers, he shifts his focus. Hmm? He says... Basically, he said, this is my ideal. I aspire for this. this, this there's nothing more um, charming, compelling, and beautiful to me than this. But, at the same time, he said, what, what is my qualification for that? Hmm? Therefore, he, he backtracks a little bit. Hmm? And appropriately so, and he says, these people are very special. Hmm? In other words, he glorifies Krishna, aspires to attain a relationship with that particular form of Krishna in Sakyarasa. And then he says, but what is my qualification? Rather, I want to follow the people who feel like this. These people. I would like to be born here in such a way that those people would step on my head. Hmm? And then I might go there. So he shows the aspiration and then, in his prayers very practically, the way to go. Hmm? In other words, he glorifies Krishna. Then he glorifies the ideal of love of Krishna that he chooses to follow. Hmm? Wants to be blessed by them, touched by... This is Raganuga, you understand? Sambandhanuga to follow in the wake of those cowherd people. Hmm? He says, let me be born anywhere there that they might touch me with their feet, like I might be born as a blade of grass, and they'll touch. then I'll, by their blessing, hmm? it'll be, he's not aspiring to be really be born as a blade of grass in Vrindavan. He's aspiring for Sakyarasa. Hmm? And how to get there, he's teaching us by being blessed by these devotees, by such devotees, by getting their sympathy. And this is the only way. Sometimes it's thought <laughs> that if you do Nishkam Karma Yoga and give the fruits of your work to Krishna, then it's a kind of bhakti that it will promote bhakti. Gita teaches like this. That is Vaidhi Bhakti. It's some, some people say, some slight connection between karma done in a particular way with the fruits offered to Krishna and, and Bhakti. Hmm? Hmm. But Ragnuga Bhakti can never come from that, like that. Hmm? This point is made, emphasized. Only by the mercy of great devotees hmm? who have that. Hmm? To be in touch with that, this is, means opportunity has come to us. Hmm? 
we may not be qualified. Like Brahma saying, I feel he feels I'm not qualified. Hmm? But therefore, I will worship the Ragmarg itself. This is what he says. This is exactly how Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsi Thakur described. Pujala Ragapata Gaurava Bhange, Matala Harijana Kirtanarange. With great reverence, Brahma backs up and starts to worship in reverence, not Krishna, but the, the, the path of intimate love of Krishna itself and the persons who are actual players in that leela, hmm? making them and their ideal the central focus of his, um, his, his practice. Hmm? Very instructive to us. So, a special day in Krishna's life is being described here. And he comes to the courtyard, he blows his horn, all of the cowherds assemble, he, he wakes, wakes them, and, and they carry off into the, into the forest. The idea is, without taking uh, breakfast. <laughs> Very excited. So, uh, and they're always hungry, so <laughs> this is a very exciting day. Some very extraordinary things the Bhagavatam is telling us are going to happen. We're talking about them here and there as we go along. Some very extraordinary things are going to happen in this, in this Leela, and it, it's trying to put us on the edge of our seat, so to speak. What will what will take place? Even Balaram is, is, is wondering, hmm, what's he got in mind today? What, what is he thinking? What, is, what are his plans? And we see they're very far-reaching. Hmm. Very far re- He's going to accomplish many things. But the main thing that he's accomplishing here, this is, for, from our perspective, he's showcasing a certain type of love for himself. That's hmm. it's very extraordinary. One of the types of love that is included in what Mahabhu came, came to give. It has some place in our Sampradaya. One of the windows of opportunity for us that our Sampradaya has made um, available. Mm. So, we'll stop there for this morning. Any question? Yes. Can I do a question? Yeah. Thank you. So, Maharaj, um, uh, this, I would call it like self a center approach. As you said, that in Vedanta you might find that the self-love is also uh, visible and you can, you can just learn about it and put it into practice. But uh, how does this approach help to develop such qualities like, for instance, humility or compassion? Because contrary, somebody may argue that the less uh, self-centered you are, the more humble you are and the more compassion you are toward others and like in the, the verse uh, so, so this approach is like that I'm insignificant I'm not, not worthy even to be mentioned but the other devotees, other souls are so magnifying in, 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 in the way of approaching them that uh, this is the only way to serve them and by serving, serving the servants or the servant so on uh, we can just attain uh, uh, pure bhakti, and uh, so so how to how how to put into practice uh, this lesson about uh, self love? Yeah, it's difficult. I think to, I, I 
I think that you have to understand that that, that there's a there's a false kind of imitative humility, and there's real humility, and there's imitative tolerance, and there's real tolerance. We hear the word tolerance, we read it in the dictionary, think I should be tolerant. Um, let's take tolerance for 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 ex- example. Well, okay, the teaching is that you should be tolerant like a tree. Hmm? Well, we're I think we have plenty of opportunities for that in life, to be tolerant. We don't have to go look for them. The teaching isn't go to look for to- situations to tolerate and put yourself in situations where you have to tolerate more. Tolerance is, is part of life. We also taught to put ourselves in a favorable condition for bhakti. Hmm? So we shouldn't think that, that well, the teaching is I should be tolerant, therefore I shouldn't change my situation at all, I should just tolerate, because the teaching is also to find a favorable situation for pursuing bhakti. And in the context of that, tolerate. First, find yourself a suitable situation for bhakti. That, that implies know your boundaries and, uh, and, and, and understand yourself and so forth, what your needs are. Know what your needs are within reason and 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 fulfill them and whether you're a monk or a householder everybody has some needs hmm? we should acknowledge that and what they are and and, and and create an environment that meets those needs and then in the context of that we tolerate you're going to have there's going to be things to tolerate not that we forgo finding a favorable environment for my bhakti and then tolerate uh, and then end up <laughs> not being able to tolerate it <laughs> and so forth and becoming uh, neurotic uh, and so similarly with humility and so forth and humility it's, it, 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 um, it's a big idea actually and it takes some wholeness to be humble hmm? in other words <laughs> what is real humility when you know something hmm you know something, and still you're humble. You don't know anything. <laughs> humble isn't just like, there's a humble guy, you know. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't have anything. He's humble. That's not the, what we're talking about here. Hmm? He's poor. He's ignorant. A humble guy. No. It means they know something. Hmm? And, and in spite of that, they're, they're humbled by the knowledge that they have by the understanding that they have. So humility is a quality that comes from having something, being filled up, hmm? having value. And I know that I know something. I know, I know that I know something. I know that I can help others. And I know the reason why. Because I've been blessed. Hmm? And so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, and it, it humbles me, but I can say, I know something, you don't, shut up. Hmm? Convi- conviction <laughs> conviction, and humility are, you know, are two different things. Well, I can express conviction and appear not, not to be humble, but that conviction can be the very expression of humility. So the very ideas of humility, the idea of tolerance and so forth, and selflessness. Hmm? What, what, what is selflessness? Hmm? It means that you have... Uh, no material 
desire, no material attachments. Hmm? That's a pretty full person. And you arrive at that, of course, by being filled with bhakti. Hmm? So I think all those ideas have to be properly understood, and we kind of kind of latch onto them in a very superficial and shadow-like way, so to speak. And then we have all these humble obeisances and all these things we say and so forth that you're supposed to say and so forth, but you don't really feel like that. Or, and it's, uh, it's, um, it's not very kind of organic and wholesome approach to the whole idea. So I don't see really, if properly understood, any contradiction. The, the self has worth and value from, from, an, from a metaphysical point of view. Hmm? And, and to... Um, come into like psychological balance and feel that you have worth and you have meaning, and that that then gives you in, in, in the enthusiasm to participate in bhakti. Obviously, we're not advocating some kind of narcissistic uh, self-love, and, uh, uh, and that uh, that um, that. Uh, has no, uh, results in no interest in bhakti and so forth. So you're already devotees, you're interested in bhakti. I don't think, think it would be, if you talk about this, think about it a bit, it's difficult to harmonize the two ideas. And uh, and, and, it, and I think it's easy, readily easy to understand the, the, the dysfunctional kind of approach to this that often shows up. And um, and then when you find meet psychologically balanced devotees, uh, that are pursuing the path you feel you're in good company with like normal people <laughs> something like that have you, have you ever heard that like he's like a real person you know <laughs> like I, I thought I, uh, is it okay to be a real person and, and, and be a devotee something like that <laughs> so how to do that I mean you have to be a little intelligent a little thoughtful you have to be given the opportunity to think about it that, 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 that as I'm kind of pr- Offering it in, in in a sense, and I'm not a psychologist, but I don't have a lot of psychological problems. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was very fortunate that and when I was very young, um, I was the second child, hmm? and uh, and the first child was a boy, and we, we lived with my parents and my father's mother, and my father's mother wanted the second child would be a girl. And it was me, and so she didn't like me at all because I was a boy, and so and the third child was a daughter. That was okay. So when my parents would go out, I would be left with her, and she would she would we had TVs were just beginning in those days, televisions, and so she had a television in her room. She would turn it on, and she would invite my brother and sister in, and she wouldn't let me in the room. Hmm. So I guess I could have been pretty damaged by that. <laughs> but somehow or other in my youth, I felt sorry for her. I thought, she's so unfortunate, because this, that's, that's just wrong, what she's doing. <laughs> that's just wrong. I had some sense of, you know, of value. I, from my, I was fortunate, so. Mm. Well, it's true. Mm. You have, you're all valuable people. You all have noble high ideals and so forth. And so you should feel good about that. You should be proud to be a humble devotee of Lord Chaitanya. <laughs> I'm proud to be an insignificant devotee of, in, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, something like that. Brinko, you had a question? 
Can I ask something from yesterday? Yeah. You spoke about this, uh, or you mentioned this Sampradaya Vinaya mantra that. that yeah, yeah. Uh, a mantra that's not given in a specific succession will not bear fruit. I was, I was asked about this um, maybe a month ago. I was teaching at the yoga camp, and the girl came up and asked about about the Gayatri mantra. I think she she learned it off a, a Krishna Das CD or some other popular Kirtan CD, and and she had been chanting this mantra on her own uh, for some time, and she she felt that she she got something out of it. I don't know exactly what. That's how she said, and she had asked another devotee about this, and he had said that no, if you use a secret mantra, you should never say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't give; I wasn't able to give a, a very like heavy answer because. But 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 I, I thought about this afterwards that that uh, uh, I would. Personally, it, it felt really strong, weird because we were accustomed to to the Gayatri mantra being a secret mantra, never to be uttered aloud, and so on. But but on the other hand, uh, this person felt that she was gaining something mm-hmm. from chanting it. Mm-hmm. So so how should we understand this uh, disciplic succession? If because she, in a way, there was a, a succession. She heard it from. Krishna and he heard it from Karoli Baba or whoever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, uh, technically speaking, it's said that uh, the mantras need to be turned on, so to speak, by the guru, um, but this is not the case with Krishna mantras that's mentioned, that they're already always alive and active something like that, um, which is curious. And, and it, it's, it's a way of speaking of their power and the, and the, and the, and the all, kind of the, the outgoing nature, if you will, of, of Krishna, especially in the form of his name, which is what is the essence of the Krishna mantras, Gopal, Govinda, Gopijana, Balaba, and so forth. This is the, the what makes the mantra. This is the kind of the, then there's some words couched around it, and so forth in a particular formula. But the names are central. The name, as we know, we we talked about earlier today, is very generous and outgoing, and so on and so forth. Um, so uh, it's a way of making that point to say, for example, that Krishna mantras are already turned on and they're ready to go, something like that. They're uh, active and, and alive. Still, of course, we're advised to hear them from a guru. And um, and so much more, the case is made for other mantras. Um, and, and therefore, statements like that are made. They won't bear any fruit. One way to think about that, of course, is that what this constitutes is an emphasis on the necessity for having a guru in order to be successful really in one's spiritual pursuit. And um, if we invoke the adage that uh, that we could, should take all, you know, need all the help that we can get, um, which is appropriate for such a lofty ideal, it becomes obvious that 
that guidance is 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 most uh, helpful, if not essential. Hmm? It may not be essential hmm? for someone in some life, but that person certainly had it in previous life sufficiently to to not require uh, in this life. And of course, Gaudiya Vaishnavism is particular in this regard because the Guru is a prominent figure forever and and so on. Um, so, in one sense, that kind of statement from the Purana is an emphasis on that you should have a guru. Without having a guru, then you will not be successful. And I think that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty true. Hmm? Um, whether the mantra will have any effect or not, that's a, that's kind of a side point. Uh, it may have some effect. Hmm? Hopefully, it have the effect of wanting to know what it's about. And someone's been ch- chanting like that. They sing the Gayatri mantra or something, and they they talk to you about it, and you have the chance to explain something its, it's significance and from a Gaudi perspective. And then they wow, they think about it very differently, and then they want to learn more and so forth. So, I, I would think that it it, it could have. Um, I would say, in the optimum, that kind of effect that it would that it would bring people to want to hear from uh, a guru and have it explained and and have guidance and so on and so forth. So I I, uh, I know that that's kind of popular. People just pick up mantras here and there, and the Gayatri mantra in particular, and they they they, they chant it. And I wouldn't want to. Uh, I would. I would look at it like that. I wouldn't just say, "No, you can't chant that. It's bad. You're, you won't get any result from that," and it contradicts their own experience. You know, you want to encourage people along, and they're, they're going in the right direction. They're, they're, uh, um, uh, and in that sense, getting something from it. Whether it will bear fruit, the other way to talk about it, what is the fruit? The fruit of the mantra is is considerable. You get something from it, but you can plant a seed, you could get a tree, it might not bear fruit. It could blossom, and the blossoms could fall off in the wind also. Um, So, something. But the full measure of the fruit requires that we approach the mantra as a lifestyle, hmm? center of our life, and so forth. And Guru is there to guide us with that, and, and so on. That help? Yeah. What else? Mm-hmm. Well, the last word, uh, Rani, uh, uh, does she experience all the rasas, all the paras? Uh, uh, like, uh, she's the most expert devotee, as far yeah. as I, uh, I know. So, uh, does it mean that she knows everything about means she feels everything about feelings. I think that's a, she, her range of uh, feeling is uh, the scope of her feelings is the, the richest of all. And uh, I've heard also that she feels even more than Krishna. So um, that's uh, we, we spoke about uh, this uh, Vasalya mixed with. Mm, does, yeah. so, uh, does she feel 
the same as those devotees who experience all different rasas? And is it that those lower rasas do not include the higher ones, but the higher ones include the lower rasas? The higher ones include the lower ones in a general sense. Um, um, what is involved in the lower ones in a general sense, general sense is also included in the higher ones. But at the same time, um, the higher ones don't include the full experience of the lower ones. Therefore, sometimes we find Radharani, for example, um, envying the position of Subal, who can walk with Krishna hand in hand in, bright, in broad daylight. Hmm? And, and desiring to experience that and, and so forth. In the context of desiring that, of course, some experience may come, but it's, it's one thing to be in a particular rasa. Hmm? That's another thing to be in a rasa that includes that particular rasa, while it itself is another rasa. Hmm? It's a little bit of difference. So there's a, there is some overlapping. There is some, yes, it, within, within Madhura rasa, all that is in Sakyarasa and Vatsali rasa and Dasyarasa is contained and more. But it's the more that is the preoccupation in Madhurya rasa. It's the more that's the preoccupation in Sakyarasa that, that, that over the Dasyarasa, for example. And, and some, some experience of, of that lower rasa may come in the context of the Madhurya rasa. Just like just like in romantic love, uh, you, 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 you sometimes feel strong friendship with your partner, something like that, uh, along with romantic love. Um, but then to be exclusively engaged in a relationship, a friendship with someone else, there's something more to that, sakya, than the semblance or the partial sakya that you feel in the context of romantic love. So, um, in a general sense, Radharani experiences all the different rasas. Um, Radharani, in one sense, another way to look at that is some partial manifestation of some, some Radharani's Ladini Shakti. So, some aspect of the Ladini Shakti constitutes sakya rasa, some aspect of it constitutes the, the active ingredient, the most important element of Vatsalya rasa or Dasya rasa. Hmm? So the, she's partially there in that sense. Uh, uh, she is the full Mahabhava Surupi, the whole, but the preoccupation of that whole love in Madhurya rasa is Madhurya rasa itself. And it's another thing to be preoccupied with Vatsalya rasa, preoccupied with Dasya rasa. So there's a yes and a no kind of answer to your question. Does that help? And Krishna. Hmm. How that looks on his side. Because it, it seems like he's also a bit transcendental towards his own feelings. Uh, and uh, also, Lila is described uh, in terms of like uh, enacting things, acting out. So that means that he has some, as an actor in the state, he feels it. But, but his acting is very good. So the, be- the perfection of action is that you actually become the player. Hmm? Sometimes actors, they, you know, they, they practice their role and uh, they gain weight to, you know, and, 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 and so forth and 
try to cultivate the mentality of that person and 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 if they lose themselves in that that's the perfection of the acting so to speak so krishna does it, it's not like it's not calculated hmm? so he's so perfect when he's acting that he yeah yeah but, uh, and that, sometimes he doubts uh, Radharani's love, like you said yesterday. He's doubtful. Does she love me? So that, that means that uh, uh, that he uh, he doubts his own love for her also. Because it's like uh, it slaps back. Yeah, like does he love? No, in 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 love, then the partner questions whether the other one loves. They never question whether they love. You always say, "Well, you never say you love me," you know, but, but, but you don't generally tend to think that question your own love. Mm-hmm. You asked about the difference. It's, it's said in secular rasa that 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 the in romantic love, the lover and the love beloved they taste equally. Hmm? But in 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 the braja rasa, bhakti rasa, hmm, there it's different. And this is what you asked. The Radharani side tastes more. Hmm? Therefore, Krishna wants to taste that. Hmm? That, is, that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He experiences also like kind of dasya ras more fully. In what? Dasya ras more fully as a servant of Krishna. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But he's mostly tasting Madhuri rasa. Hmm? This is ideal. Yeah. You want to taste what Radharani tastes that he doesn't have, he's not privy to. That's not his, that's not uh, within the realm of his possibilities. So to do that, he, he reinvents himself as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then he tastes Radharani's love. Hmm. Yes? Uh, I wanted to ask about the. Uh need for psychological balance that you talked about. And we often say that if someone's like in a psychological and emotional turmoil, they tend to distance themselves from bhakti and stop practicing. But if I understood correctly, you meant that they should continue practicing while at the same time trying to find balance. So how could we then as devotees who are maybe a little bit more balanced in our material lives, support this kind of people? Like, what could be the sadhusanga that we would offer them? Because it... I mean, if you're just watching TV with someone, it doesn't really qualify as sadhusanga, does it? But if that person doesn't want... <laughs> Depends who you are, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm yeah, asking I... this very clearly, but uh-huh. how could we support a person like that who's clearly shifting away from bhakti and, and it might be difficult for them if they drift away too far while looking for that psychological balance they might not find their way back to bhakti because they, they've gone so far away well yeah it's a difficult question but I think that you know that, that basically gen- being generous with them and understanding and, and, and telling them yourself you know if that you need to do this, you need to work on this, you know, you, you know, um, and 
uh, which is something they're not doing, and then they, they do do that under your counsel, insistence, guidance, and so forth, they're going to be grateful when the, when the result comes and, um, and, and, and likely remain in touch with you, uh, you know, in the meantime as well. So I think that, uh, that kind of being proactive about it is, is, is good. When you notice that in the group and you say, you know, this person, you, know, you need this and you should work on this and, and so forth. And when they do, as I say, they get, they get the result and they don't feel that that, that, that has to be outside of bhakti. And, and it, you know, I mean, you're not living with everybody, so um, if, 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 if the things that you do for recreation are things that they do for recreation, then you can do them together, but I don't think you have to, you know, um, go out of your way to be involved in more recreation than you may be required for your own balance and so forth in order to hold their hand in, in you know, the context of their doing so, which is kind of how I relate to your question about should we watch TV with them and, you know, do you follow? Yeah. Yes. Uh, nowadays, people have lots of knowledge, uh, esoteric knowledge, also such sociological knowledge, because there are lots of books about this. And sometimes they ask me question: What is uh, the difference between the mind, brain, and the consciousness? Mm-hmm. Could you give me some advice how to explain it in very briefly and clearly way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Um, Consciousness, by consciousness we, 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 we mean two things. The example is given of a light. So here is a light. The light is luminous. And it lights other things. Okay? It itself is luminous and it lights up other things. So consciousness... has consciousness. <laughs> In other words, consciousness is, is, is light, hmm? luminosity, and it is also has an aspect of lighting other things. That's what we call awareness. People think of consciousness usually in terms of awareness. Are you conscious? Are you aware of something? Hmm? That awareness is like the effect of the light here on the dark table, which lights this, this table up. Hmm? That's one aspect of consciousness, that it can light other things. So awareness, but then we have to focus on consciousness itself. Hmm? That's a little more abstract, but consciousness means existence. Hmm? Existence. Subjective first-person existence. Your private experience that you exist that no one else can enter into entirely Hmm? consciousness then we have brain then we have mind and then we have brain Hmm? consciousness is experiential existence matter is experienced right consciousness experiences Hmm? So consciousness is different from biological life. 
Biological life is a different thing. Biological life will come and will go. Hmm? The brain will come and will go. Hmm? But existence won't come and go. Hmm? And you are existence. That's what you know. The only existence you know is that you are. You know that you are. That's what you know. (laughs) I know that I am. That means, consciousness means existence. You are a unit of experiential existence. And existence can't come out of non-existence. That means it always is. You have two things, existence and non-existence. Existence can't come out of non-existence. Something can't come out of nothing, right? So, by its very definition, existence must always have been and must always be. Hmm? So, that's what consciousness is. Now, mind is a subtle form of matter. So, and brain is matter. Hmm? So, mind is the the kind of interface between consciousness and brain and the world of our everyday experience. Hmm? Um, so, through the through the mind, hmm, we get some experience of matter, hmm? some feeling of what matters like, and a picture of what 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 the what the world is like hmm? through the medium of the mind. So you have consciousness, then mind, and mind is mediating the experience of, of matter, and brain is, is matter. Brain's kind of like a, kind of like a glove, on a hand, hmm, of mind, hmm, and consciousness is like the whole, whole body, something like that. Hmm. So there's going to be a lot of correlation between the brain and the mind. Hmm. But there's not causation. The brain doesn't cause the mind. The mind doesn't cause consciousness. Does that help? Yeah. That's a big topic. Maybe we talk more about it as we lecture further. Let's stop for the moment, though. See, Mad Bhagavatam ki jai, or Bhaktivrinda ki jai. Lord Premanandi.